Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer, bang, bang, it's good, Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer. Don't miss a beat, whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four, for four, welcome to the NBA. The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Hi there, everybody. Welcome back to Coast to Coast been a while feels like months maybe even years since we had some uh basketball it was it was sorely obvious right this week that we just didn't have a whole lot to do um Ronan how you feeling now you got another game back you got a little bit of of life back in you you have a little a uh, little bit of a pulse now oh uh, yeah just, just a little bit I mean uh, especially in these times I and mean, usually you wouldn't even notice a five six day break but in these times yeah it really kind of hits home when we're when we've had uh, we've had those five six days without basketball but uh we had uh, All Star Day, <laughs> not weekend. We had All Star Day, <laughs> and um, uh, nothing to to write home about really. But uh, there were there were some highlights. Dude, I, I feel like All Star Weekend this year was basically what you would expect in a year with a pandemic, in a year with basically everything that could possibly go wrong with the world. Like, why would we have a nice All Star game? Like, it's it's exactly what the. Uh, the pandemic all-star game I thought it was gonna be <laughs> yeah but it isn't it kind of like depressing though like when we really think about it all-star weekend we have a gathering of who we've all consent came to a consensus are the best players in the world they are all in one place and it's just such it's such a gimmick like it's it's really sad that we don't get anything like really of uh value as fans out of this game it's just it's just a uh, a meaningless ritual at this point yeah it's that uh i, I don't I, I, when i when i heard the the second we heard there was going to be an all-star game and then when we heard some of the top level players kind of coming out and saying that they weren't happy there was going to be an all-star game it, it all just kind of they didn't want to be there yeah. <laughs> no, just, nobody nobody really even wanted it to be honest nobody wanted it the players didn't want to be there and it's literally just for the TV deal. That, that's that's it. It came it came down to like an extra six digits, extra nine digits, and that's what mattered when it came down to it. Very very true. And we got to see a, a huge shock there in the three point contest. You know, just Steph blowing everyone away. <laughs> I thought after Mike Conley got his late addition, he was looking hot. I thought he was actually going to do it, but then Steph just was like, "Nah, sorry, I wanted to win this year." Dude, he does it in his, like, some players train for the three-point contest, um, and Steph Curry just, like, just does it in his sleep. It's so easy for him. It's crazy. Um, but what about the, uh, the skill? Did you watch the skills challenge? I didn't I did. freaking watch the skills challenge. You I watched did. the I did I'm watch so... the skills challenge. <laughs> Dude, that's, I, I got to say, there's a million things you could have done better with your time than watching the skills challenge. 
True, but you know, you you gotta you gotta so, they, someone had to watch it, you know. <laughs> you <laughs> you you were you probably made up like twenty percent of their international audience for that game. Yeah, I, I'd say that's probably even being a, that's probably lowballing there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay, so like the one interesting thing about the All Star Weekend and the Skills Challenge is the fact that it's always big guys winning every year. I I, I don't. I don't understand. Chris Paul is, um, I guess you can add on to the, the list of people come up with that his career has been pretty much a disappointment. He's never won the skills challenge. He's been there five times. I don't understand that. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, his, his, his performance and Luca's performances, they, they were just there for show. They were not, they had no interest in going there to, uh, to come close to winning. <laughs> Luca looked like he literally had just drank all night and showed up and Maybe. that's actually probably what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah he looked genuine then as we saw in, uh, in the actual game when uh, what did it, i know lebron only played about 12 minutes but what did he score i think he scored like four points got two rebounds i think that, yeah, that was a sign, sign of a guy that did show. not want to be there <laughs> yeah dude just like oh yeah it's it's sad I, like i wonder if we'll ever see changes to the all-star game like to make it have an incentive. Like I know in baseball it has to do with uh, home field advantage. Like, and like, if we're not even going to do, think about like using the all-star game to um, come up with some incentive, like in the league, like, I don't, I don't, I don't see why we wouldn't just change it and do away with the conferences too while we're at it. Cause I mean, all, all it just comes down to playoffs maybe, but I, I thought like, what if we had something like, you know, I've heard ideas of three on three tournaments um, or even like thinking about what if you had one V one, like there are parts of basketball that are interesting beyond just the, you know, the NBA, like there's so many styles of basketball that you love. Like you love guys like Jamal Crawford. You love guys like Zach Levine. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of like Kemba Walker, like one-on-one guys that you see in real life in different forms of basketball. So, so to see that from an NBA player, I feel like that would be interesting. Imagine like on Twitter, instead of voting for like just your players and everything, like you have these guys and then everyone votes. I want to see these guys go head to head. Like I want to see uh, Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard. Like that would be, that would be something crazy to, that would actually be worth people voting for. We see people voting for it also. Like transfer the vote away. You know, uh, we've just we just put something in motion there because I love that idea. I think this is going to get shared around. This episode is going to get shared around. <laughs> We're going to start a conversation about shaking things. Listen, up. Adam Silver, I will change. I will change the All Star Game, and, and I think do 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 away with all the money awards that we give out to the players. Like, like players are literally turning down tens of millions of dollars to have like a better professional um, life. So you think that giving someone a hundred thousand dollars is going to like convince them to actually care about a singular game, which they could get injured for, for no reason. Like that, that doesn't make any sense. And if you're going to do it, you know, what you should do like, maybe this is a little morbid, but like for like, it was like every three pointer or something like Stephen Curry, like he donates a hundred thousand to charity. Like the, the charity should be out in the crowd and Steph should have like a t-shirt gun and be like shooting up <laughs> the cash up in the stands. I don't know, dude, just <laughs> do, do something. I want to see Blake jump over a car again. Like that's the only thing I really get. Like I want to see someone drive into the car, do something like that. 
Yeah, well, speaking of Blake, he's he's got a new team. We said it talk yeah. last weekend. Uh, turned yeah. out he was right. <laughs> oh my god! And listen, like when, like part of me was thinking when I said that, like, uh, okay, like that was just my gut response to it. Maybe once he signs, I'll think a little differently. Maybe I'll actually see like the reasoning behind it. And I've continuously thought about it. I've read a ton of articles about like, oh, like for it, against it. Maybe he's going to be versed. I, I still can't convince myself. I, I think this is a terrible signing through and through. I, I, I think it's a waste of a roster spot. You can, I, I think just the argument about adding another good player uh, will make you better. And I don't inherently disagree with that, but I don't think that was Blake Griffin. He doesn't check any box. We already talked about it. I don't know. Did you change your mind? I, I, f- I feel like you didn't. I don't know what, what way to think about it. I have to think that they're they're thinking they've they've put some sort of thought in it, some sort of genuine scaling. They're not just put pressing the panic button and and signing them up just because they need they need more players, they need more guys with a bit of size. I can't think that's the only reason. That's the only thing that they're thinking about. I I have it in my head. I'm giving respect to the to the Nets front office and, and the coaching staff that they they had a bit more of a plan when making the move to get to get Blake in, but I guess we won't really know until we start seeing him play some games. Dude, I, it's definitely, you know what it feels like? I I think I want to look look away from it from a purely, like, strategical standpoint because, you know, I think when we break it down, we know that we know exactly what his defense is right now. He doesn't defend the rim at all. He hasn't. I, I think it's, it's probably been, like, 500-plus days since I've seen Blake block a shot. Um, I don't even know if you still do that. We know that we know that his shooting has definitely taken a step back. We know that his um, ability to score under the basket has definitely gone out. Like we know what we're getting from him, like from a numbers aspect, we can talk about that. But I think if we look at this purely from a, like, I don't know, like a basketball career standpoint, you, you see how, you know, DeAndre Jordan's there, not because they did advanced scouting and chose DeAndre Jordan to be the best. Like he's there because, He's boys with Kevin Durant, boys with uh, with Kyrie Irving, and we know the connection between DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. Um, they're they're all from the same fraternity of like young guys drafted um, during their time, and I, I think this is more, this is pretty cool in terms of like a storyline of like how Blake will finally make it to a championship. Like it wasn't it wasn't this like lone star or second best star. Like he's getting there as like one of the others. Like I, I think that's that'll be an interesting uh, way that we'll look back on it. Even though like this, I I literally as a basketball nerd, I'd say I'd rather just play Nick Claxton than Blake Griffin. And I'm being a hundred percent serious. Yeah, so I mean, some guys you got you had to you to take the the old Dwight Howard route to find to finally uh, yeah finally get himself on a championship exactly. Team. And, hey, if it works out, it works out, and you can be uh, much happier with your career when once you got that ring. Wait, so okay. All right, are we are we saying that then? Like what Blake Griffin is right now is essentially where Dwight Howard was when he when he joined the Lakers. No, no, I, I think like when he joined the Lakers, I, I think they're they're at different points. I feel like I feel like Blake Griffin right now is basically Dwight in in Charlotte, maybe. Or or in Atlanta. Yeah, I can see that, and I think I uh, don't want to be disrespecting Dwight because he gave a very honest account of himself. He was a he was a, a, a solid contributor to to the Lakers championship mm-hmm. win, 
Oh, absolutely. Whether or not uh, Blake can be that to the Nets. Again, we just we just gotta we just gotta wait on this. We can't talk too much until we actually see him out there on the court with Kyrie yeah. and uh, and James Harden. Well, man, all right, you're always you're always really good with the uh, the historical facts. Like I I feel like I lean on you for this. So like, <laughs> when was uh what year is Blake Griffin drafted? I have. Was it the same year as Kyrie? I'm thinking it's around then. I have. I have to of, look. I have to look this up. Yeah, I'm, I have to I'm, look this up. I'm either side of the 2010s. I'm feeling that's that's kind of around there. Uh, no, not Shaquem Griffin, Blake Griffin. But like, think <laughs> think about think about his his uh his career arc right now. Like, being being the guy there, the Clippers having a entire like tribute video about how you're signing long-term and then getting traded to Detroit. Like he, he was like the, the golden eye of, of the, uh, the B team in LA and then gets traded out to Detroit. And now he's a buyout guy. Like, I think that's, that's like the way you mentioned it. Like that's actually kind of a, that's a crazy way that his, uh, his career has kind of ended up at this point. 2009. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Two years before uh, Kyrie Irving, but but yeah, I, I think I think I'm still not sold on the fit. Who knows? Like you said, maybe he's playing possum. But it'll be it'll be cool to see how that progresses. Um, in the same conference, did you hear about the Celtics offering multiple first round picks for Jeremy Grant? I did hear about that. Yeah. I is this how real is that? I, I've I've seen a lot of reports. I, I feel like it's pretty real. At least the offers there. Yeah, I think I don't I don't see why it wouldn't be real. I think he's shown obviously he went out to Detroit. I still don't really know why, but he's shown that he's more than capable of being the guy and being a guy that can step out and be a kind of almost a star on, on a team that that's going to struggle big time. So why wouldn't he be able to come into a team like Boston and have a real big positive impact? which they need. I mean, something needs to change in Boston. And I think a guy oh, like absolutely. Jeremy Grant would definitely be the kind of type of guy that can come in without kind of stepping on that, stepping on any toes, but still be able to come in and make a big change. That's the interesting part for me because um, first of all, like you said, we don't know why he signed uh, in Detroit. Um, you know, there's, he had uh, done some interviews about it. And he referenced a lot about like self-empowerment in terms of like having the money, which for me, the money was less of an issue because Denver would have paid that, you know? Um, But I think he wanted not just the money, but he wanted the role of being the guy. And I think he's proven everybody wrong. Definitely proved me wrong that he can do that. um, Albeit on a very bad Detroit team. But again, I think we talked about too, like good team or a good player, bad stats or my God, <laughs> bad team. <laughs> it is Friday. It's been a long, a long week. I don't even remember the last time I slept. <laughs> but like good player, bad team. Good stats, bad team. Like that's not really a thing anymore. So I think I, I'm definitely going to give Jeremy Grant credit for how he's played as a solo guy. But to that point, do you think that he's going to want to reinsert himself into a situation like the Celtics where he could literally be the fourth option? Like I, I think... 
in uh, in Denver, like they probably could have made the argument to him that hey, you are definitely the the offensive leader for the bench, and when you're starting, you're going to be the third guy. For the Celtics, it's like you're going to be the fourth or the second player. You're going to be the fourth guy in the starting lineup. You're going to be the second player for the bench because I mean they're running a lot of uh, alternating a lot of Jalen Brown and and uh, Jason Tatum. So he's always going to be second fiddle to one of those guys. Meanwhile, he's in Detroit taking like pull up uh, three pointers, like on the break. Like <laughs> he's not going to be doing that in Boston at all. So I, I, I don't think this is necessarily for the player, the, the move that he uh, would want. Yeah, I think unless he's he's kind of come out to Detroit, he's kind of got the taste of what it's like to be a star and realize that it's not all it's cracked up to be and it'll be a whole lot more fun to be a good contributor on a team capable of competing because this Detroit team ain't anywhere close to being in a, any sort of realm of, of competing for even making the eighth spot in the playoffs. So yeah. I think unless, maybe, maybe he's had a, almost a bit of a revelation or maybe he's looked around and thought, he always thought that Detroit was going to be just a stepping stone where he could show that he was this talented guy that could do it as, mm, as, as a leader. That's interesting. And now he's kind of look, had a look around maybe and realized that no one is ready to, to bite the bullet on, on getting him in as a, as a first or second star. And maybe it's time to just almost accept his role, get onto a championship team, and be a guy who's a key contributor to a team that are going to be right up there competing year after year. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like an art that we have to do. Like we just get all these dots of information, like player A is going to city B and we just have to do the work to just completely infer every deepest emotion and <laughs> career aspiration that these guys have with us. <laughs> I, think, I think it's funny when we, when we step back and think about it like that, but no, I, I completely agree that, um, you know, he, he would, uh, he, he would make such an impact um, wherever he went. And I think it's definitely possible that, you know, this was an audition almost, but I, I don't know, man, like uh, Detroit, maybe he was really into the Detroit style pizza. I've heard really good things <laughs> popping up all over the place. They're like deep dish, but crazy. But I think, uh, I think that the Celtics are definitely smart to trade that many first round picks. I think Detroit is pretty smart to make that deal because you know Jeremy Grant is a fantastic player he's definitely proven he could be a number two maybe even one B guy who knows maybe it's gone that far but to pay basically 20 million dollars for what three four first round pick what I don't know how many picks they're getting but if a team could just straight up pay for three first round picks and pay 20 million dollars they would do it they would do it in a heartbeat. And the Detroit Pistons are not ready to use a guy like Jeremy Grant to make a push for the playoffs. They're ready to get more young guys. And that's what they've been doing over the past couple of years. And I mean, that'd be a huge, huge win for them. So I think if a deal comes out, I won't be surprised because this is a pretty convincing trade for me. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be inclined to agree. Any other, there's not a whole lot of other uh, goings on in the, uh, the NBA world. So, um, you know, quarantine's got us all like spending time thinking about these sorts of things, not doing anything else. So 
let's uh get a little crazy let's uh go off the deep end here why don't we I'm we've ready. uh <laughs> and i think this is right right on time with your suggestion that we just need to talk more nicks so like i invite you like take a step over the edge dive in and just i'm ready i'm here to listen i won't laugh i promise i won't scoff <laughs> i'm going to take you completely seriously you're going to convince me of something to do with you I, I know you have it i i know it's there let's see let's see what well, well, how how outrageous will i go well, I just go with, I'll say the New York Knicks will, will, will stay hot. They'll, they'll stay right on that brink of, of 500. I actually had down here as they will win a playoff series. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm not laughing. No, I'm not laughing. Only reason I have that down is I am praying they get into a position where they avoid the top three. Interesting interesting all right so how so how how do they do that is what's what's uh barrett averaging i mean he had a good return to action last night obviously it was unfortunately in a basically a blowout loss that was to the books of, of course who are still on a much superior level and then randall had a bit of a, a bit of a shocker but i'm needing rj has gotta gotta be hitting the 20 averaging the 20 point mark in the second half of the season no doubt about it and needs to do that while staying as efficient as he has been yeah so yeah for the most part he has been shooting quite efficiently it's just been too inconsistent julius Randle, of course needs to stay hot and our boy quickly at this moment He's shooting just below 40 from three, which you look at and you say that's great. But then when you also look at it and you say that he is shooting just below 40 from the field as a whole, you're like, yikes, that's not good. But so, here's, here's the thing with quickly though. I, and I, I like, I really like the piece that you did um, about him. And I, and I, I definitely have bought more into his game as I've watched him more. And uh, as I've, I've really, I think appreciate his game because, you know, he's shooting those percentages uh, with some difficulty, like the threes that he takes, they're not always wide open. And he definitely has a confidence to pull up um, from deep. I mean, sometimes he's pulling from like 33 feet and a lot of times he's pulling up in traffic. And I, I think the way that he's aggressively sought after his shot um, shots that aren't necessarily being created easily for him, um, shots that aren't necessarily uh, outside of the flow of the offense. I think the seamlessness with which he's found some of his shots and been aggressive in other situations, I, I think that's encouraging for me. Like he's, he's, that's a, that's a pretty solid efficiency for a first year player who's taking a lot of difficult shots. I, I'm, I've actually been pretty encouraged by that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that the one thing is, I just think I, I believe that he is capable of better. That's that's a, almost the biggest comment I can pay him. Just the fact that he has already proven that he he should be judged to to uh, to a higher standard. I mean, he's right up there, and we're talking top rookies this year. I mean, it, it would be unfair to not have him in the conversation. He's the guy that's still not even managed to break into the starting lineup, and the guy that was this late draft pick. He's not the the star name like the the Lamelo Balls and the Anthony Edwards of this world, but he has really stepped up and and shown shown that the Knicks spotted a bit of a diamond in the rough with him, and it's going to take a lot. And 
obviously, if we end up around the six, seven, eight mark in the playoffs, it's going to be curtains. It's likely going to, I'd be shocked if it wasn't a sweep. But if we can find some way. For get, the for the Knicks, right? They're, who, they're going to sweep probably the, the Bucks or. Oh yeah, of course they're gonna they're gonna sweep they're gonna sweep the the books. Over <laughs> Look, you, you climbed off you climbed Easily. off of the deep end and climbed all the way back up, and now you're you're talking <laughs> back logical. I don't I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean I'm thinking I'm thinking they're more than capable of staying at, at the level that they they did in the first half of the season. A lot of pressure is on Randall. The Knicks apparently came out today and basically said that that Randall is untouchable unless it's. Mm for another star wow so that's that that is that is big and that that puts some pressure on him but if he wants to be the guy and more importantly if he wants to be the guy in new york he's got to answer those questions and we need to see that we got to see him we still haven't seen him do it for a whole season i mean this is a guy that's looking likely to be right up there when we're talking the most improved player come the end of the season Mm -hmm. but last night was bad. I think he had like seven points, six boards, and just a couple of assists. I mean, that's. I know. I don't. I think it's going to be a one-off thing, but we cannot afford him to be doing that any sort of consistent basis. And he's yeah. got to be capable when he's kind of going up against guys that are not only his match but probably considered better. He's got to be able to give a better showing of himself. Yeah, man, it's, I mean, a couple cool things there. Um, I mean, you mentioned how Julius Randle is untouchable, right? And for for an organization to commit to a player like that, that's really that's really cool for the, I mean, the fan base can finally be like, all right, we can hold on to something. Because I mean, as, as a fan base, the way that the league is so volatile now, right? Like, you don't know what guy is going to be on what team, like a year from now, two years from now, like American Express, literally has commercials selling their card because they'll give you jersey insurance for when your best player gets traded they'll buy you a new jersey <laughs> like it's so it's it's cool and and comforting that guys like Julius Randle guys like Zach Levine have made a jump to the point now where there's no question if they're a franchise player they've they've made it to the point where they've been deemed franchise cornerstones um so I, I think that, you know, that's kind of where we can explore, like, where do the Knicks have the the chance to make that unexpected jump? Because they've, they've made, they've made a very clear jump in terms of uh, competition that they're not just rebuilding. Like they're, you can expect now from this point that the Knicks are going to put themselves in position to win any game that they're, uh, you know, I, I, I'd have faith with their within like 10, 15 points. I, I think that's, they're a team that can, make comebacks, a team that can play defense, get hot. So, I mean, you have some young assets there. You have draft picks. You have some potential talent. Um, and R.J. Barrett, obviously, that's that's the biggest question. Um, do you know if maybe some teams can still sell themselves on a guy like Kevin Knox? Um, maybe some teams are super high on a Mitchell Robinson like – the Cavs were for Jared Allen. So if the chance comes along that you don't have to trade Barrett, but you can pair Barrett, Julius Randle, and another star, particularly in the backcourt, 
do you make that deal if that means costing you quickly, if that means costing you Robinson, if that means um, costing you, um, I mean, you, you name it, any of your own guys, future picks, especially Obi Toppin, would you do that? I guess at this point you'd have to say yes. I don't think you could really justify saying no to a deal like that at, at this time as much as those guys have been good contributors and there is there is belief there and there there is promise there that they are going to show that they are, are going to be really quality pieces in the NBA in, in the future. But at this time, I think if that option is there for you, if you're the Knicks, you're going to have to take it, especially the, 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 the way they went for Coach Tibbs. He's not waiting around to build around the young guys. He wants, if he's got the, the chance to, to coach a team more suited to playing his style and more suited to competing to get into the playoffs, I think he's going to demand that they make them trades. You know who would be awesome in New York? P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker would be perfect. And, and you know what? I, I could definitely see a shoe deal on the horizon. P.J. Tucker and Tim's. Like, he'd just be a New York staple. <laughs> that would be legendary. Yeah, they would. I mean, I, I, I think that could be an interesting, uh, interesting avenue. I wonder if the Knicks are one of the teams that they're talking to because I don't think they'd have to give up too much to get them. Dude, Tom, Tom Thibodeau would like break his wrists the amount of times he'd be clapping in excitement with PJ Tucker box outs and PJ Tucker screens and PJ Tucker trapping. Like he would, he would be unconscious how happy he'd be watching PJ Tucker executing defense out there. He'd be ecstatic. And that's all. That's all we want for Coach Tibbs. We we just want him to be happy because when he's happy, the Knicks are winning, and that's what it's all about. Dude, have you have you like fully realized the emotional roller coaster that it is watching Tom Thibodeau coach a basketball game? Like, have you started to like become intimately like connected with that? I don't think that I have. I don't get. I, I feel like I don't get to see him enough because usually when I'm watching it's the only... mask, do you think I... the mask does, does he take it off enough? <laughs> I feel like his voice should just rip, probably just rips through the fabric. Like he would, he needs to be quadruple masked in order to actually make it work <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he's probably got a thinner one on it even at that without even taking it off i'm sure he's already got the thinnest one possible people if, he, if he's talking people are listening right? that is a fact but oh my god i could that that's a you know what that's a whole other episode i, I would actually love to just de- dedicate an entire episode to uh tom Thibodeau. Uh, that that's I'll, I'll cut myself off here because that that's definitely something we need to we need to discuss especially in light of the next future I think I think Tom Thibodeau has a, the potential to you know if he does do something crazier we call it off the deep end but you know I, I think there's legitimate truth to a lot of things you've said and you know it's all if everything the stars align but Tom Thibodeau being a guy to flip this franchise just like how he flipped the Bulls he wasn't successful in Minnesota, but if he is doing something special to flip the narrative for the Knicks, not just as um, who the players are, but just what the organization is as a whole too. Like this isn't a year talking about like James Dolan, sell the team or like um, sell all the players. This guy's set. Like 
there are legitimate like positive stories. Like you have exciting young players. You have a guy who's an all all star. You have a coach who's had a very good like um, track record. So I think things are remarkably positive for a team that's just been maligned. <laughs> like, and a lot of it is self inflicted with the way that Knicks fans yeah. are. <laughs> like, like I, I don't think that there's a more just irrationally brash group of fans out there besides New York. Like, that, there's no, no cons about it. Like, they, they hate their own team as much as they hate yours. I feel like they just don't love their team. They just like hate your team a little bit more than they hate their own, <laughs> and they only love them when they destroy other teams, and otherwise they just hate them. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but hey. We, what I said there, that was pretty, that, that's going to happen. We know the Knicks are great now and they're, they're only going to get greater. So you got to go off, you got to go out the deep end now. You got to hit me with something wild now. Come on. Listen, I'm, I'm, hold, I'm holding you off the cliff and you're pulling me off and I, I've given up. I'm going to dive off and um, talk about a fan base that, you know, not a huge fan of. Fan base I love, the Houston Rockets. That's a team that I want to go off the deep end for because I, I've been a huge and the uh, James Harden era. I love that team. Um, being around Houston fans, like oh, out there in Texas, man, they're like crazy passionate. They love this game. They know the game. Um, and I think, you know, Houston was so often made fun of for how they were constantly defending Harden, how they were so like crazy about just defending every single thing the Rockets did. But that, that's a that's a good fan base. That That's a good fan base that's loyal to a fault. And I think that right now, even though they're in a spot where they just lost James Harden, they've literally had a team so bad that they had to kick off DeMarcus Cousins. P.J. Tucker is deciding not to play anymore. P.J. Tucker. Like, I, I thought, first of all, that only, like, the LeBron James and the Kevin Durant's and whoever could say, yeah, I'm just not going to play. P.J. Tucker is like, yeah, I'm not I'm not playing. I, I'm your guy being paid less than $10 million a year. I'm your sixth man and yeah i think i'm all set i'm not gonna play for you it's been that bad for houston but i i think it's gonna get a lot better i i think that they're doing something right now that's being totally underlooked and a year where the only like the only stories we're hearing about the rockets is talking about the dysfunction and the past james harden but i really think that look at some of their pickups kevin porter jr taking a flyer on him, how he's exploded in the G league. They've really invested time in him by, um, you know, they've hired an assistant coach that is specifically like there for him as a mentor. Um, and to see how he came out in his first game, playing very balanced game. He had three steals, 10 assists, 13 points. Like, and I think he's flashed a lot of potential to be a dynamite scorer. who knows where he can go from there. And a lot of it really just had to do with his attitude. So Houston, immediately maybe finding talent just off the scrap heap. And that's what you have to do. They did it also with Christian Wood. I mean, they got him for almost nothing. Um, and, you know, Jay Sean Tate, we've talked about him a couple of times. I mean, this guy could, I mean, he's flashed like all defensive potential, the way he's guarded guys like Damian Lillard even. Um, so they've got a few young guys here, including they're, they're taking a look at Justin Patton, who was a, a lottery pick just a few years back. Um, they have some young talent um, alongside a healthy looking John Wall um, and basketball nerds out there know the name Sterling Brown. That's for sure. 
Um, so they, they have some guys on this team that really can, I think, form a core and like they, they're not they're not completely out of it. I think my off the deep end thought is like, I think that in one to two years, we could see the Houston Rockets being known as a team that has one of the most valued uh, young teams. Okay. I, 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 I can see that. I think. <laughs> Mainly Is that not crazy enough? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm just kind of thinking that I just feel, obviously, it's kind of a bit of a shake. There's been a bit of a shake-up in, in the front office uh, as well as losing Harden. But I, I've always kind of just thought of Houston as a team that just know they know what they're doing. They, they work the system well, and they're always kind of, they're always kind of playing on the front foot. They're always playing, able to play aggressive. Mm-hmm. They they are always the, the guys that are landing landing that that first punch. They that's why I, I would agree. I'd have to agree with you there. One question mark I would have on it is is now the time to maybe look for a trade for John Wall to possibly get a few more draft picks or maybe a couple of already established uh, young players in the league or is John Wall the kind of the old scout to keep around to kind of have a sort of Chris Paul effect on your team? Well, Ronan, I'm so glad you've asked because I've prepared exactly just that. So like you said, (laughs) $18 million in trade exceptions. You know what they got to do? I don't think it's, I don't think it's John Wall. That's my first answer to that question. John Wall is a guy who I, I think he's he's become a, a leader. I, I see it in how how he's I think taken this whole situation. Um, I, I don't know. That's that's just my take. That's completely uneducated. I, that's my that's just just my gut feeling with how I've seen this team play. So to have I think it's really important that young guys like you said have that Chris Paul effect. And I think you can get value from these other other guys in your team. Um, and a few crazy ideas, maybe these might be a little crazy, but I think Oladipo, um, he's going to get traded. Um, it's been rumored to several different teams, but um, I'm going to leave that one for last, actually, because that connects to another team we're going to gonna mention here. But PJ Tucker, uh, we talked about him going to the Knicks, but I, I think you know they can target got, uh, teams like the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Celtics. Um I mean, he said he wants to go to a contender. I think that, unfortunately, that ends up like playing a role in teams that want to keep him since he's only on a one-year contract. So that's that might be essential to this, like getting a team that he that he agrees to stay with or else the team's probably not going to trade for him. Or they can give a simple FU and send him off to the Timberwolves or something like that. I'd, <laughs> I'd also be a fan of that. But I'm thinking if they can turn P.J. Tucker into – another young talent kind of along the same theme of, you know, a lot of contenders also have young guys who haven't gotten a shot and contending teams aren't trying to give guys shots. They're trying to win playoff games. They're trying to win championships. And you don't do that with young guys like Anthony Simons, the little blazers are dying to have a big man, um, especially defensively and especially to, to spread the floor. Um, Anthony Simons has continuously shown flashes but just flashes and i think it's it's not having the ability to um make mistakes you know you're on a team with damian lillard like damian lillard is there to win and he's he doesn't really mesh well with uh lillard style so he's just always taking a back seat 
um, giving him a chance there. Uh, Nasir Little, who I think wildly dropped, and his, if his shooting continues to improve, like his stock as a player could be dramatically different from how we see it right now. Um, so I think the Blazers are definitely a solid target. I mean, the Nuggets depends on how Paul, Paul Millsap looks by the end of the year, depends on how much they think they're going to get out of Jamichael Green in the playoffs. Um, that's a huge question mark. Um, I think PJ Tucker gives you much more defensive versatility that, you know, for the Denver Nuggets, what's often their, their biggest downfall is these small offensively um, focused lineups. They get killed defensively. So, I mean, PJ Tucker can fit right in there to make that system work better defensively and not give up anything offensively. So I think these are definitely realistic ways. I mean, they could get a guy, the, the Rockets could get a guy like Bobo. RJ Hampton, do, do the Nuggets really value some of these young guys more than they do current success for um, their team? Um, I, I think those could be interesting. Maybe Celtics for Grant Williams, Neesmith, the Pritchard. Grant Williams is kind of like your PJ Tucker replacement. But I think uh, the more exciting one would be uh, trying to get either an Anthony Simons, a Bull Bowl, and a Sear Little, get another one of these type of uh, guys with chips on their shoulders. You're your KPJs, your Sterling Browns, your Jay Sean Tates, Christian Woods. I'm just picturing in my head right now, a team that has like, everyone's got like this chip on their shoulder. They're all young and talented, but they weren't believed in and they had to scratch their way to a good team. And then this Rockets team will be like this very scrappy uh, young team. I think it could be like a Grizzlies type of vibe. Yeah, I mean, I'm already picturing the documentary in 20 years after maybe they didn't win a championship, but they were that team, that that scrappy group of misfits that that came together and 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 showed them their best selves on the court or something, you know? Yeah, like I mean, for I mean, picture that, right? Like Cape, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Like he had like this really dark period last year. I mean, everyone in the NBA community was reaching out to him after he had tweeted. Um, or I think it was on Instagram where he had tweeted out, um, do you ever want to see the end of your time? And a lot of people knew that he's had dealt with a lot of issues. Um, Christian Wood not being wanted uh, by any team or his girlfriend on draft night. Like there's these, these stories that would just be perfect in, in how they've overcome that. And I hope, I hope Houston's a place to do it. I think that, you know, when you look at, uh, this draft, they need to make these trades, not only to get more assets, but they have to tank, man, because if they don't get in the top four, they're going to lose their pick. So they'll still have a couple of picks in this draft, but to stay in the lottery is essential for them to really step it up. Imagine them getting a guy like Jalen Green or uh, Jonathan Kuminga, a guy like that could really, really turn things around fast for, for the Rockets. Um, but the last trade, I have to say for them because this is going to transition into the next team here. Oladipo to the Grizzlies. Okay. Oladipo to the Grizzlies. You get DeAnthony Melton, Gorgie Dang, who's an expiring contract, uh, and picks. That's a, that's a key part. They get two, three picks unprotected. I really like that move. I, I love, I love, that's a that's a really interesting move that I would like to see happen. Yeah, 
Okay, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it uh, click in your head, and that's my second part. It, this, these, I think that could be a move that does huge things for both of them, because my second off the deep take, Grizzlies make a push to upset in the playoffs. I think that the Grizzlies make this move. They're set to be the eighth or seventh seed, and I think that as an eighth or seventh seed facing the Jazz or the Suns that they could definitely get an upset if they have a guy like Victor Oladipo. Tell me if I'm crazy. Obviously, you're a little bit crazy, and I'm glad you're being that. <laughs> this segment is meant to be about, so we're going the right <laughs> way. But Victor Oladipo, I mean, we've seen this guy when he is at his best. Obviously, he struggled with injuries the past couple of years, but was it 2018 when the Pacers lost to LeBron in, in seven games? Oladipo that season and in that playoff series was just unbelievable. And the Jazz don't got no LeBron James. The Suns don't got no LeBron James. And there's a couple other teams that could end up uh, high ranking in the West that are going to be teams that you wouldn't say are legit to go through in the first round. So if Victor Oladipo can return to the level of player that we thought he was going to be before that injury and after that season, he will be a great pickup for anyone and especially for a young team like the Grizzlies who have got talent like Morant, like Jackson and plenty of others. And if he can get in there and have that positive impact, it could really change things up because the Grizzlies have had almost a disappointing year and they're still a very solid 17 and 16 in the Western Conference. So I think adding a guy like Oladipo without having to give up any of the main young stars would be huge for them. I'm glad you brought up uh, that first part about the Jazz and the Suns. Um, That advanced stat, it's called the Bron James Factor. And it assesses whether or not your team has LeBron James. And it just happens to be <laughs> the best predictor of playoff success beyond any stat. <laughs> it's like, isn't that funny though? Like the fact that everyone's everyone, it's not very nuanced when you go on, like as basketball nerds, you want to be like, oh, well, it takes this type of strategy against this team and this type of system to like, no, it's just, do you have LeBron James? Oh, you do? Oh, okay. So you basically have a 75% chance to win no matter what. <laughs> And that's it. Like, it doesn't even matter. But <laughs> I, I thought that you, you just had to find a way to stroke LeBron James in there. You just couldn't help of yourself. Of course. I have to do it. Oh, Come on. oh I got to <laughs> clean my mouth. Okay. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, I don't even know where we were with that. You, 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 you're, you you're talking up your Grizzlies. Come on. You're talking. Okay. Oladipo. 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 Yeah. Listen, Oladipo, uh, specifically with this team, um, I mean, you, you said it with his impact on the Pacers, um, the way that he's, I think, definitely been a, a go-to star. I mean, he's had moments of that um, early on in his career, and then he's proven that he can be consistently relied upon as a go-to scorer in the clutch. Um, and that's something that's really missing from Memphis. Um, you can't just rely on, on John Morant in these uh, clutch situations because he hasn't really developed um, that mid-range game. Like his, his floater game is excellent. 
Um, his pick and roll game is godlike. The way he can get to the basket, but his game can be, I think, negated by the defense right now because you know that's all they have to worry about. They don't have to worry about a guy like Victor Oladipo, Dylan Brooks. You know, when he gets hot, like he gets hot. But you know, you're gonna live with those shots as opposed to you know Victor Oladipo kind of gives you a little bit more pause. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second and most important reason that Oladipo and Memphis are a match, Victor Oladipo is an R&B legend. He would be worshipped in Memphis. It would, it would be a perfect. He'd be he'd be doing gigs out in uh, out in downtown, and then <laughs> showing up for warm ups right after. He'd still be in like his freaking top hat. I don't even know what his his album. Did did you did you listen to any Victor Oladipo uh, R and B? I I cannot say I, I've had the pleasure. Enough. Oh my god, you're, you're missing. You're not a true NBA fan. If, if you don't if you don't like Victor Oladipo R and B. You don't like the NBA. You don't like <laughs> basketball. Oh God, I guess I, got, I guess I got some listening to do after this. <laughs> but, um, but, but not only his shot making. Like I, I think you know, you put the ball in Oladipo's hands. Um, and again, everybody, I know this is crazy. This is literally completely hypothetical. But that's why this is fun because we don't have anything else to talk about this week. There's nothing that important. So just bear with me. But Oladipo or any guy like him, really. If, if we were just talking about the development of Ja, um, he's allows him to work off ball. I, I think that's, that's a key thing for some of these stars. Um, I think Luka Doncic, imagine he has a running mate who can pass him the ball that can allow him to work off screens, off pin downs for the way that he's um, improved his shot. I, I think he could definitely um, explore being a dead eye shooter if he's being off the ball. Um I think John Morant, like his three-point game is going to have to come from um, other people making plays for him. Because I think his, that, that funk to his dribble, the, the way that he just take long, takes long strides and those hesitations. I, I'm not sure like that there are some players, I think that their, their dribbling is seamless with their shooting, but it, it seems like John Morant, like his, his shot form still hasn't really, um, melded to his his uh handles i mean his handles are probably you could say top 10 top five in the league you can make an argument for that but like that just his shot isn't caught up with that so i think he's he's going to need to learn to be an off-ball shooter um until he really gets there and a guy like victor oladipo that would be huge for that development yeah absolutely i think uh, every young guy that we see and they have that potential there's always kind of one size of their game that they favor. And that's the fact that they don't get the chance to work on it because they can't afford to, because they're often mm-hmm. in these teams that don't have that other guy. If Memphis are capable of finding, trying a way to work a deal that will help not only improve their chances of winning, but also help improve their top rated talent who won rookie of the year last year. It's something that they absolutely have to do. And in terms of his handles, I think uh, if you saw that that uh, that fake uh, he did uh, there on Thursday, oh night, my god! Uh, I think yeah, I think that that certifies him uh, in the uh, cameraman. Top, top the cameraman couldn't even ca- keep up with that. <laughs> that was insane. Um, but okay, let, let me let me burn through through this real quick because I, I need to justify my craziness here. Because if this crazy trade happened, that logically makes sense for both teams and it works out with the money, 
So this, that's possible. Mm -hmm. But if this trade happens and I said that they could make an upset, I, I will definitely go to war for that because if you've watched how the Memphis Grizzlies have played defense down the stretch, you know that they can really, really make problems for the other team. And just thinking about how they matched up for how they would match up with uh, the Jazz and the Suns. I mean, uh, for the Jazz, you got John Morant, Conley. I, I know what I'm picking for that matchup. Oladipo and Dylan Brooks versus Mitchell and Clarkson. Maybe I, I give a little, little bit of an edge to, to the Jazz. Now, their rotation there, though, in terms of defense, and I think this is going to be the problem. Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, Justice Winslow, Desmond Bain. You got a lot of guys who can keep up with, be physical with, and make just life uncomfortable for Bojan, for Ingles, for Niang, for their shooters out there. Um, Royce O'Neal, maybe. I'm not taking Royce O'Neal over that. So then when you think about it, like who's going to cover – Jaron Jackson Jr. If he's come back and he's healthy, he's at 41% shooter. He's that uh, crossover dribble drive big. Like he's, he's honestly, I, I think the, the true unicorn in this league, but are you going to take Gobert out of the paint? And then you're going to risk Gobert getting blown by. And I, that's going to totally take away from their defensive scheme. And then imagine the defense that these guys can play. It's going to totally mess up their, their four out uh, rotation. It's going to mess up the way they run their pick and roll and move the ball. Like they have a lot of guys who can, I think really like find the keys to breaking this jazz offense, which has been impressive all season. But I, I think in a playoff series, you give seven games to these guys that they could figure it out and they have the physicality and the uh, defensive drive to do that. And I play that same thing to the Suns. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, uh, I think that, 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 that'd be a big one. Uh, in terms of the matchup, you kind of just look at it on paper. You would be given advantage to the Jazz, but then when you look at the, the actual systems, that that's when you see the kind of holes that that the Grizzlies would create in the minds of, of the Jazz when they're trying to set up to to defend. I think it, it would be a big call. I think they would be really tempted to try and take Gobert out of the paint but I think the right call would be to keep them in there. So if they're kind of, if I'm sitting here kind of questioning it, I feel like they might be able to do the same. And just that, that little kind of bit of doubt that creeps into the mind of, of the, let's say favored team, that that's just, that's, that's the chance that that teams like the Grizzlies need. And that, especially if they're able to make the move for Oladipo or able to make a move for anyone that can, can come in and be uh an offensive threat that can kind of take a little bit of the heat and, and kind of mentor Jamarant. It's it's gonna it it's all they're gonna they're gonna need. They just need that little inch and they're more than capable of taking it because okay, yeah, if they're coming up against the Clippers or the Lakers, I'm not really thinking they've got too much of a chance. But when they're coming up against guys like the the Suns and the Jazz, I think they're going to have that inch and they're going to be in a position where they're going to be able to take it and maybe take it all the way to a, to a playoff win. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you said the Lakers, right? Yeah. All right. So who's guarding Ja? For the Lakers? Yeah. 
Trying to even have almost forgetting the, the their all their injuries that they have. Who who is uh, no no everyone's healthy. Say say everybody's healthy right right now. Everybody's healthy. I'm actually picturing Caruso, but obviously Caruso is never going to be starting there. I think uh, would they probably have KCP on Ja? Okay. Delicate party KCP. Okay, so who's on all the depot? Um, would LeBron take him? Could be. So, so I guess you throw your two best defender. That that would be pretty. That would be pretty new for LeBron to be doing that. And then, I, I guess. All right, now I'm talking myself out of it. Shit. <laughs> 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 but all right, but but in all seriousness. Like even even the Lakers. So if they make it to say they make it to the Lakers, like this would be such a Cinderella story, like a half Cinderella story. Because you're right, nobody's gonna beat when it comes to LeBron on both sides of the ball when he's really giving it his all. Like um, that was that was a unintentional rap. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I just say that at, at the moment the Grizzlies just don't have the star power. I think the star power. Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I think a future matchup, not this year, maybe t- next year, maybe two yeah. years from now. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Anthony Davis, two two guys that I, I think they're in the same vein of of offensively gifted and defensively like otherworldly. And I mean, John Morant is going to be a star. So maybe you know it's not this year, but but to see this team start to match up against some of the stars in this league, I mean that that's what you got to ask for. And I think that's that's uh that's the next step. But first step is let's let's make it to the playoffs. I'll climb off the cliff. <laughs> um, will I jump off again or are you jumping for us I'm not I'm not jumping I'm not jumping I'm just kind of having a look over the edge that? I'm looking at the Utah Jazz to lose in the first round of the playoffs again so you we're both there yeah we are <laughs> we're, both we're both there, there. I will see you saw half of the vision and I just gave you the other half we have a full on premonition of what's going to happen right now. There's there's no mistaking that this wasn't a this was a coincidence. Stars are aligned. <laughs> Absolutely, but there's something about the jazz. There's something about the way that they're playing. I don't know if I just can't get behind that they're going to be able to keep this up or more so it's a tactic that's going to work in the regular season but when we get to the playoffs they're going to be relying on their individuals again, and that's where they're going to come up short. Yeah, it's it's a classic case of um, being too good, being too efficient. Like, it's it's funny because what the Spurs did it for how long, mm-hmm. and we and we trusted that. So maybe it just takes consistency of of really good team basketball in order to see that as like a true NBA product, as opposed to a lot of the, uh, the isolation basketball that we've become accustomed to. Um, so maybe, maybe that's part of it, but I, I think that, you know, specifically the way that the jazz lose are, is what we talked about. I, I think if you run into a team like the Grizzlies who can find a way to dismantle your, your offense, I mean, if this team isn't hitting their historic, uh, threes and there's every reason why it's it's not an anomaly we know why and they're good enough now where they just continuously do it so it, it's not like this isn't taking away from that but if if someone can figure that out in a seven game series 
and they lose that, I don't think that they have another go-to. It'll, it's a classic Budenholzer uh, type of situation. And it's precisely why, you know, that happening would fulfill this growing narrative that they're somewhat analogous to the 2015 Hawks, even though I completely reject that. I absolutely reject that. But there, the comparisons um, will be confirmed and how much worse for a team that's, I don't know, in their own head about not getting enough clout and not being respected. That would be a pretty uh, shitty way to prove everybody right. <laughs> yes, it certainly would. I think, I don't know what it is. It's just, remember back to last year, obviously it feels like a decade ago now when when the league shut down and it was all really go Bears fault. And I saw that resurface on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> There, there, there just seemed to be that riff, and it seemed as though Donovan Mitchell had no interest in continuing as a jazz player. Rudy Gobert was going to be his number two guy, and then they give Gobert the bumper new deal, and they come back this year, and everything just seems to be all happy and jolly, and everything seems to be perfect. I'm just not buying it, and I feel like there's, there's <laughs> things there's are an going too well here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's something. Things are just going too positively after what seemed like something so negative, and I just cannot. So, I can't get myself to commit to it. <laughs> basically, what you're saying is because Rudy Gobert spread the pandemic, you don't deserve happiness. This is this isn't how karma works. You don't deserve to not get beat in the playoffs in the first round and be. <laughs> uh, okay, so let me let me stop our jazz slander because listen, I I like the jazz. I I love the jazz. I am a believer in the jazz. If I say it enough times, I'll believe it. But <laughs> hey, I want to believe on. in the jazz, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> let me. Let me move on here. Um, this one I talked about right before the season started, I think. Um, the fact that Kawhi Leonard can enter free agency at the end of this year. How do we know that he's going to stay in LA if they don't win a championship? There's absolutely no guarantee of that. And Kawhi is a fun guy and there is nothing more fun than watching the Clippers implode, not just in the playoffs, but in the free agency period where they're not sure what's going to happen. They signed Paul George to this long deal. And, you know, we kind of looked at it like irresponsible with the way that he's performed, that maybe that's not really worth it. That's not worth uh, keeping a guy who hasn't proven that he can be uh, the best player, not just in the regular season, not just in uh, a couple of games and around, but consistently. Can he really be a consistent superstar? Um, it's still in the air right now. But, you know, maybe that wasn't a contract they gave him necessarily to keep him around, but to keep him as a good asset. Because, you know, you can sell Paul George to a team that doesn't need him to be a go-to score every time like they, he can be a true uh second third star um maybe it'll work better <laughs> than with with la which which you know it's going to be a tough question there but i think there are teams out there that would do it so imagine one Kawhi 
decides to leave LA. Like how absolutely devastating would that be for a team that had traded everything. They had a good thing going and they, they won the lottery. They got Kawhi, they got Paul George, they got these other guys. And then for that all to explode and have absolutely nothing to show for it. That is the nightmare scenario that I think exists within the deepest parts of every Clippers mind. I mean, they'd just be announcing that this, they'll just be, might as well just put out a headline. This is why we are the B team in LA. If, 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 that, if that situation is, is, if that's how it goes, if they gave it all up, they put out everything they could to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to LA to win a championship. And if that is done after just two seasons and they got no rings, I mean, they're just, they might as well just give up and move city. I don't know. <laughs> I was literally going to say that. <laughs> Like at that point, you just give up and you leave. Yeah. You leave LA. <laughs> oh man. Cause you know, the funny thing is that, you know, it wasn't just getting these players. It was like, this is a new era. This is, you know, reclaiming LA. This is, you know, that they did tremendous community work. Awesome. I think it's great how teams, you know, you're making a lot of money, you give back to the community. Uh, so it's not to joke about that at all. Um, but, you know, they built 550 courts in the city. And I don't think any of them probably would have wanted the Clippers paint on it. They probably wanted the Lakers. But this <laughs> this felt like this is some sort of generational shift. And then for them to just leave... <laughs> I think that would be to, to reclaim the, the the city. I think uh, when did they when did they have it before? Did that ever happen? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably never. Yeah. <laughs> to finally but, finally earn earn uh, finally let people know uh, that they exist. Maybe it was probably probably, <laughs> a, probably a better way to go about it. But uh, you know what? They I, I, you got to respect the aggression that they made this move. But I mean, obviously, we're just talking off the walls here. We have no idea what Kawhi Leonard is thinking. I don't I, I would be shocked almost to to see him go. If he does Clippers, I'm sorry, just you're just gonna have to gonna have to deal with a, a, a maybe a, a couple of weeks of tears and then maybe you can try to regroup and just hope that even maybe you get back to to the CP3 Blake Griffin uh, sort of level. But yeah, the Donald Sterling, Ster, uh, Donald Sterling era. Yeah. If if we Back. really want to go off the deep end here, though, where can we see <laughs> Kawhi Leonard going? Um, I have two alternate realities here, but that I didn't think of. Um, Kawhi Leonard. If I wanted him, if like if I could choose right now, like you know, I want to see Kawhi play here because I I think LA. I think for some reason, LA just, it, it doesn't really make sense for me. I think Kawhi would be awesome in Miami. I think Kawhi would be awesome in Miami just for the fact of him and Jimmy Butler. Watching him and Jimmy Butler, like, absolutely terrorize and suck the soul out of another team on the defensive end and on the offensive end, like, Jimmy Butler with his just brute will and Kawhi Leonard with his just icy, cold, calculated 
slow murder of your team like that would be a perfect tandem of just like the best bring back the the miami heat villain days like when when the heat are going into every arena and everyone's like beat the heat beat the heat i want i would love to see that again just for them to establish the uh the true evil empire not the uh not the lakers the the dreaded miami heat yeah i like i like that i think that that, that that's a that'll be a very cool move and we we know miami are always out there looking for deals and there's been a there's been a couple of doors that they thought were that little bit open for them that have been shut so maybe you know, you know what's perfect no what's, what, what's perfect is that you know Kawhi's all about expanding his business and you know that the way that uh new balance has been a little bit of a slow start um Dude, do you know how many old people in Florida would buy New Balances by Kawhi? Like that would be his biggest market. <laughs> that has to be the biggest market for his, his shoe brand. Yeah, like that, that, that could be the one way he could uh, he could break into the market. Yeah, that, that, that's smart. I think I like I like that. Look at that. Even look at that. We even coming up with great marketing ideas here. <laughs> got it. You get it all here on Coast to Coast. You know it. Uh, yo, but listen, this is not what I think is going to happen because I think. Kawhi, Kawhi is gonna want to stick with the money, and he's gonna realize, you know, I had to be kicked out of San Antonio, and then I got sent up to the mountains in Canada, and I finally am back home. I'm on my team that I chose. I get to do what I want because I'm I'm basically LeBron now. Maybe Kawhi's like Paul George. He's my guy, but I think I can do better here. And I thought of the craziest trade that makes the most basketball sense because it does a lot of what would work for both teams. Ben Simmons for Paul George. That is very, very interesting. Uh, I think obviously that would be the way the type of the type of players both guys are the type of good players Simmons and, and George are they're going to have a positive inter- impact wherever they go I think I like the I like the fit more of Ben Simmons alongside Kawhi than I do Paul George replacing Ben Simmons in the in the uh, in the Philly in the Philly lineup I'd have to I'd have to admit there now tell me that's not perfect I think it's definitely it's it's a deal that I think both teams would be interested in, and you we as we keep we keep on mentioning Dal Morey, he's there in Philly now. He likes to make big moves, but I mean, see, we, we've progressed. Do that. <laughs> I love it. Like for people who can't see, like your mind is like this is you're literally like galaxy brain framed out at this point the, the levels to which we've gone with this thing but <laughs> Ben Simmons finally finds the place that he belongs and fits in alongside another superstar that you know I, I think with Kawhi's outside shooting with his his shot making ability and the fact that he can shoulder all of that that completely takes away what uh, ben Simmons lacks and Ben Simmons can still play make and allow Ka- Kawhi to be off the ball the way they would complement each other and the way that Ben Simmons would get a bigger piece of the pie to be more of a dominant inside scorer that would be perfect for a fit for him and then Paul George you can't 
he does everything that you wish Ben Simmons did better at a superstar level. Hey, I mean, if we're get if you're getting in at Paul George, that 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 year in OKC, if we're, if he's still capable of putting out that levels, you're snapping at that deal and you're taking it instantly. Yeah, he's 50-40-90. He's he's one of the most reliable three point shooters. You know, we maligned him for how he's performed in the playoffs, but when it comes to being a secondary option, like because he can be, he's proved he's proven that he at a high level can be a go to option in the playoffs, but. I think we've also just come down on him as being consistently a number one option. So I think that's what it comes down to. It's not that he can't do it. It's that he's not in the top percentile, like championship percentile. He's not a Kawhi. He's not a LeBron. He's not a KD. He's not a, um, who I think right now is basically a Jokic or Embiid. Like he's not that. So like you let Embiid fill that role, just like Kawhi is. But I think for, Paul George to directly benefit off of all the double teams that teams need to give him and for him to be an an elite cutter as a cutter, as an off ball shooter, as a secondary pick and roll uh, wing, like that would be golden in Philly. You know what? You have convinced me. I'm on board now. Daryl Morey. I pulled you off the cliff. Yeah. I pulled you off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We we've gone. Crazy or this has been wicked fun though. This has been wicked fun. I, I I like you know these breaks in the NBA. Um, maybe they just make us go insane and we think some crazy stuff here. <laughs> but I, I think it's it's nice to dream, nice to to kind of think about the what if uh sometimes than reality, which is uh last night losing to a 76ers team without Ben Simmons and without Embiid and with yeah. All of our yeah. healthy Bulls players. So that, that wasn't pretty. <laughs> it, it's easy just to close my eyes and think about things like uh, this, and it makes you feel a lot better. So this has been very therapeutic. <laughs> I like basketball again. It took me a full twenty-four hours, and I'll be uh, I'll be back to some more Chicago-based pain tonight. We'll see what happens. That's that's how that's how that how it has to be for for us all at this moment, and especially in these times. It's nice to 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 go off in, into these alternate realities and, and think of brighter things and, and crazier things that that just bring that little extra bit of joy to our lives in the in these tough times. And it's always always fun talking, especially when we get to just go off on our rambles and talk nonsense. Yeah, man. Well, hey, I'll be back to talk some more nonsense with you next week, man. I'll uh, I, I gotta jet off. We're uh, head into the mountains where I can avoid reality a little bit a little bit more. What about you? You got you got any plans for the weekend? I got my plans for the weekend are, are to to sit on my ass and watch some <laughs> basketball because we got it back. We're, we're this is we need to go to therapy. I think this is it's a little bit of an addiction. I, I'm a little concerned this for is, our, this is our therapy. Our this is our therapy. Come on. All right, I'll uh, I'll send you an SOS. <laughs> it was good talking. Yeah, man. Pleasure as always.
Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.